Hi, this is David. Welcome to episode 18 of Upward Journey Bible Study, where we study the Bible and theology. This episode focuses on learning some of the content and message of the books of Titus and Philemon. Paul left Titus in Crete to appoint pastors who had good Christian leadership qualities. Paul writes to Philemon, urging him to set his slave free. Unless otherwise noted, all scripture quotations for this episode are taken from the World English Bible because the World English Bible is in the public domain. Let's get started. Titus has three chapters. The author of Titus is Paul. Paul, in writing to Titus, identifies himself as one, a servant of God, and two, an apostle of Jesus Christ. This shows both Paul's humility and his authority. Paul's mission is not to bring glory to himself, but to serve God. Paul is under the authority of God, and his motivation is to serve and obey God. Not only is Paul a servant of God, Paul is an apostle. He had witnessed the resurrected Christ and was sent by God on the mission to preach the good news to the Gentiles. Paul was an apostle of Jesus Christ. What is the purpose of of Paul's apostleship. Paul's apostleship is for the purpose of one, the faith of God's elect. Paul wants all to be saved, but God chooses those who have faith in God. These are God's elect because they choose to have faith in God. The goal or purpose of Paul's ministry was to bring people to have faith in God and to establish them in that faith. Paul's apostleship was not only to bring people to faith in God, but to the knowledge of the truth. Paul's correct teaching was a vital part of his mission to serve God. This faith and truth should lead to godliness. A godly person has respect and reference for God and shows forth a good character in how they live. One of the things that motivates godliness is the hope of eternal life. Now Paul talks about some of the characteristics of the hope of eternal life. One, eternal life is based on God's promise. The certainty of eternal life is based on God's character. God's character is that he cannot lie. God is trustworthy. And for that reason, his promise of eternal life is trustworthy. Eternal life is based on God's eternal purpose. God's purpose regarding eternal life has spanned the ages of time, but now it is an opportune time to receive God's gift of eternal life when God's word is preached. Paul is saying that God has entrusted this message of eternal life to Paul. Paul was responsible to share with others what God entrusted to Paul. Paul's obligation to preach the message of eternal life it's not only based on God entrusting it to him, but it's also based on God commanding him to preach it. The God who commands Paul to preach the word of eternal life is characterized by Paul as God our Savior. God our Savior called Paul to be an apostle to share God's word of the hope of eternal life. Paul greets Titus as a child, a true child. Titus was a legitimate child. Titus was genuine in his faith in God. This faith was experienced by both Titus and Paul. Now for Titus chapter 1, verses 5 through 6. 
Paul's Mission for Titus Paul had left Titus behind in Crete. Crete was an island in the Mediterranean Sea that Paul had visited and ministered to in his mission to the Gentiles. Paul here gives a twofold purpose as to why Paul left Titus in Crete. One, Paul's purpose in leaving Titus behind was to straighten up the things that were lacking in the churches on the island of Crete. And two, Paul's purpose was for Titus to appoint leaders to lead the various Christian assemblies or churches on the island of Crete. Paul first discusses the second reason why Titus was left behind. Titus was left behind to appoint elders over the church, churches. Titus was like a supervisor over several churches. He was to select the leaders of these churches. These leaders were to have certain characteristics which Paul now addresses. First, let's look at the titles Paul has for these leaders. First, they are called elders. Secondly, they are called overseers. And thirdly, they are called stewards. First, they are called elders. One of the meanings of an elder, as in English, is that an elder is an older person. It is someone who should be respected because of their age and experience. But the word elder also could refer to younger men who had showed their level of maturity. However, it would not refer to a novice in the Christian faith. It would refer to a person who had shown over time they can be trusted in a position of leadership. Overseers is another term used for elders. An overseer is someone who watches over the spiritual welfare of others. Another term for an overseer is a pastor. We find this in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 25. Pastor means a shepherd. A shepherd oversees, cares for, feeds, and protects the sheep from danger. A pastor oversees the welfare of Christians under his care, just like a shepherd watches over his flock. Stewards refers to a manager. A steward is entrusted with a responsibility of persons or things entrusted to them. For example, you can entrust a person to be a cashier at your business. You would expect for them to act in your best interest. Or you may entrust your car to a mechanic to fix it, or your pet to a veterinarian to check or treat the health and well-being of your pet. In the same way, a pastor or an overseer is a manager, a steward. God has given entrusted him with spiritual gifts and with certain responsibilities, and he is responsible to carry out those responsibilities. Now, Paul gives Titus some characteristics that every pastor or overseer should have, since he has the duty to oversee and manage the church. First of all, an elder is to be blameless, one who does his best not to sin, and because of his good character, he has a good reputation. An elder is to be the husband of one wife. His children are to have these characteristics. They are to have faith in God, and his children are not accused of loose or unruly behavior. 
This means the children do not have a reputation of living wild and being out of control. The extreme example of this would be a person evidencing a complete lack of control of what they say and do, such as being a drunken party animal, or someone who is very sexually permissive, or is addicted to drugs, or cannot control their mouth. Also, an elder is to be hospitable. This refers to a person who is kind to strangers. A elder is to be a lover of good. An elder is to be sober-minded. They, they, they're going to have to have a healthy mind. They control their thoughts and behavior. They are fair, that is, they are righteous. They are holy. They are self-controlled. First to a person who can control their desires. And an elder is to hold to the faithful word. This is important so that he can exhort in sound doctrine and convict those who contradict. To convict means to expose something that is not correct and correct it. Now for disqualifying characteristics for an elder that would make him not to be blameless and thus unfit to be an elder. An elder is not to be self-pleasing. This means an elder should not be focused on himself. An elder is not to be easily angered. An elder is not to be controlled by alcohol. An elder is not to be violent or a bully or a person given to quarreling. And an elder is not to be greedy for a dishonest gain. In short, an elder is to be blameless. But as we see elsewhere in Paul's writings, this is the standard for all believers and not just for church leaders. Paul says regarding all believers in Jesus Christ in Colossians chapter 1, verses 21 to 22. You being in past times alienated and enemies in your mind, in your evil deeds, yet now he has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and without defect and blameless before him. Paul then warns Titus of dangerous impostors whose mouths must be stopped. They claim to be believers in God, but their lifestyle denies it. They are abominable. They are unfit for any good work, including the ministry. They are disobedient to God and rebellious against God. Their desires are not to please God, but their own appetites. They have dirty, defiled minds and consciences that defiles their behavior. These people reject God's authority and talk foolishly. They deceive others and they are motivated to make money rather than serve God. They are given over to man-made rules and beliefs. Paul says these people need to be silenced. Their mouths must be stopped. Titus is to sharply reprove these impostors. Now for Titus chapter 2. Paul instructs Titus in sound doctrine involving five different groups of people. These five groups of people are older men, older women, younger women, younger men, and servants. 
First of all, older men. Older men are called elders. It's the same word used for elders that are leaders of the church. Older men or elders should have the following characteristics. They should be temperate, sensible, sober-minded, sound in faith, sound in love, and sound in perseverance. Temperance means they are to be without wine. Sensible means they have a healthy mind, having the ability to to control one's thoughts and actions to show self-control. Sober-minded shows that they are worthy of respect, that they're honorable. Sound in faith, they're healthy in their beliefs and Christian conduct. Sound in love means they're healthy in their love to God and others. And sound in perseverance, they are healthy in their perseverance of serving God. The second group is older women. The following is characteristics that older women should have. They are to have similar characteristics stated of the elderly men. They are to be reverent in behavior, suitable for how a holy person is to live. They are not to slander, speak falsely of others. They are not to be enslaved to much wine. They are to be teachers of what is good. And they are to train the younger women. It is the older women who are to train the younger women. Now for what should the younger women be taught? They should be taught to love their husbands, love their children, be sober-minded, to be chaste, that means to be innocent and morally pure, to work at home, to be kind or being a good person. They are to be subject to their own husbands, so God's word will not be blasphemed. Next, Paul addresses Titus as to what to teach younger men. Titus is to teach the younger men to be sober-minded. That is the only characteristic Paul singles out for the younger men. That means the younger men are to be self-controlled. However, if they are going to move from being younger men to older men, they need now to be developing the qualities expected of the older men. Likewise, younger women should begin to develop the qualities expected of older women. The next group that Titus is to address is uh, servants. Servants are to be subject to their masters. They are to be well-pleasing to their masters. They're not to contradict their masters. They're to deal honestly with their masters by not stealing. They are to be faithful to their masters. How we conduct our life in service to others helps adorn the doctrine or teaching of God our Savior. Paul instructs Titus on his teaching. Characteristics Paul says Titus must develop are found in Titus chapter 2 verses 7 to 8. Titus is to be an example of good works and teaching. He is to show integrity. He is to show seriousness. Titus is to show incorruptibility or purity. He is to show soundness of speech that cannot be condemned. And that soundness of speech that must be such that non-Christians would find it hard to criticize him as being a bad person. The nature of God's grace is found in Titus chapter 2, verses 11 to 14. This section 
is mainly talking about the characteristics of God's grace. First of all, God's grace has appeared. God has revealed it through Jesus and his apostle Paul. God's grace brings salvation to all men. If only more people would accept God's salvation. God's grace teaches us we are to deny ungodliness. That is, we're not to live ungodly lives. God's grace teaches us we need to deny worldly lust, that we need to live soberly, that we need to live righteously, that we need to live godly in this present age. God's grace teaches us to fix our hope on the second coming of Christ. Jesus Christ will return to earth one of these days. He will show his great glory when he returns. Jesus is our God and he is our Savior. God the Father is usually called our God, but here Jesus is clearly called God. Let's look at some characteristics of Jesus that Paul points out here. Uh, Jesus is our God. He is our Savior. He is glorious. He is our Redeemer. He redeems us from all iniquity. He makes us morally clean. He purifies us. He cleanses us from sin. He makes us his redeemed people as his own possession. And finally, Jesus creates us to be zealous for good works. Titus is to teach these things, exhort or urge this kind of moral conduct and good works. He is to reprove or expose all evil in the church. He is to do it with all authority and let no one despise him. This word for authority is the same word used of God our Savior giving Paul authority in Titus chapter 1 verse 3 to preach the message of eternal life. Paul instructs Titus to teach others the following, to respect and be subject to and obedient to rulers and authorities. Christians are to speak evil of no one, not to be contentious. Christians are to be gentle. Christians are to show humility to all men. Why is a Christian to treat non-Christians this way? Well, the reason Paul gives here is we were like that at one time. How did these Christians live before Christ changed their hearts and their behavior? They were foolish. They were envious. They were hateful. But God our Savior changed that. God's kindness and love appeared showing his love to all mankind. God's kindness and love were shown to these believers, bringing God's mercy and forgiveness. God's salvation is not based on our own good works of righteousness, but on God's mercy. How did God save us? Paul says God saved us by the following. First, through the washing of regeneration. This is also called being born again or being born from above. The Bible teaches that all have sinned. The only exception was Jesus, who was tempted in all ways. We are, yet he never sinned. So all have sinned except Jesus. Paul teaches that the wages for sin is death. This means we have no spiritual life without Christ. Being born again is simply God giving us eternal life through Jesus and by giving us his Holy Spirit. God saves us through the renewing of the Holy Spirit. Renewing means the Holy Spirit begins to change us to be more like Jesus Christ. This renewing begins at conversion, 
but continues as we yield our lives to serve God. The Holy Spirit was richly poured out on us. The Holy Spirit is provided through Jesus Christ our Savior. God justified us by his grace. God justified us by his grace so that we might inherit the hope of eternal life. Since God has done this for us, we need to be careful to maintain good works. These things are good, and they are profitable to men. Then Paul points out what is not profitable. Foolish questionings. Genealogies. Here the false doctrine about genealogies are not clear, but there must have been some kind of teaching about genealogies not based on Scripture that was leading to unsound teaching, strife, and divisions. Strife is not profitable. Disputes about the law are not profitable. People who are stirring up strife should be warned to stop this, and if they do not stop stirring up strife, they should be avoided. Such a strife maker is perverted, sinful, and is condemned. Paul says that the, you know, you give them one warning to stop, and a second warning, and after that, avoid them. Paul then instructs Titus that he will send to him either Artemis or Tychicus, and when he does, Titus is to meet Paul in Nicopolis because Paul intends to spend the winter there. Paul tells Titus to send Zenos, the lawyer, and Apollos on their journey quickly. Paul instructs Titus to tell the Christians to maintain good works for necessary uses so that they would be fruitful. What are necessary uses? Necessary uses are the things that are the most important, and that should be our priority in good works. Our Christian service must focus on the more important things, things that have eternal consequences. Paul ends this epistle to Titus with these words, All who are with me greet you. Greet those who love us in faith. Grace be with you all. Amen. Titus chapter 3, verse 15. After the book of Titus is the book of Philemon. Philemon is one chapter long. It has 25 verses. This is a short letter of Paul to Philemon. Philemon was a Christian slave owner. This letter was also written to Apphia and to Archippus, who Paul calls a fellow soldier, meaning a Christian soldier. A Christian soldier here is referring to one who fights not in physical wars for a Christian cause, but a Christian who struggles against evil by living above evil and calling for sinners to turn from their sins. Archippus' home was used as a house church. Paul also is addressing this letter to the house church that met in Archippus's house. Then Paul switches from addressing the whole church to Philemon in particular. Philemon owned the slave Onesimus. Onesimus was a runaway slave. He had run away from his slave owner Philemon. While on the one he was exposed to preaching by Paul and became a believer in Jesus Christ. He proved himself to be a great help to Paul in his ministry. Paul was in prison, and Onesimus was of help to Paul while Paul was in prison. Paul 
wanted Onesimus to stay with him and to help him, but not without Philemon's permission. Paul writes to Philemon to encourage Philemon to treat his slave as a brother in Christ and in the same way that Philemon would treat Paul. Paul felt he had grounds in Christ to command Philemon to do the right thing and release Onesimus as his slave so Onesimus could be of service to Paul and to the good news. However, Paul did not command Philemon to do this because he wanted Philemon to do the right thing of his own free will. He wants Philemon to do what was right because he wanted him to do it because it was right and not because Paul commanded him to do so. Paul pointed out that now Philemon could have Onesimus as a beloved brother instead of being a slave. It appears that Philemon too might have become a Christian through the ministry of Paul since Paul hints to Philemon that Philemon owes a lot to Paul. Paul wants Philemon to accept Onesimus as if Philemon was receiving Paul. Paul also tells Philemon to prepare a guest room for him because he is hoping through Philemon's prayers to be released from prison and to come and visit Philemon. Paul says another Christian prisoner named Epaphras greets you. Also, Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, Paul's fellow workers, uh, greets the recipients of this letter. Paul ends this letter by saying, The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Philemon chapter 1, verse 25. The word your is plural, so he is addressing this statement to all those he is writing this epistle to, and not just to Philemon. So the first 18 books of the New Testament in order are Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, 1 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, Titus, and Philemon. Thank you for joining with me and listening to this podcast. Be sure to search the Bible to evaluate all teachers, including me. Check out my website at UpwardJourneyBibleStudy.com where you can learn more about this podcast and other resources for spiritual growth. Always remember to keep God first in your life. Bye for now.